morning. That's like really pathetic. I got up extra early today to come see you, so this is uh, not my prime time, but uh, I'm excited to be here. I love you guys, and um, I found five dollars. There it is. It's yours. Uh, Let's pray. God, thank you for this morning, and uh, God, we are desperate to hear from you. God, I'm asking that you would pierce our words with, or pierce our hearts with your word, God. That you would engrave your word on our hearts, God. That that we wouldn't hear my voice or my words, but God, that you would be the one to speak today. God, that you would bring conviction where it's needed. She would bring hope. She would bring encouragement. God, thank you that you are God, that you are good, that you are always speaking. Give us ears to hear today in Jesus' name. Amen. I got to be honest, that last song was a little brutal for me to sing, a little convicting. You know, like where uh, maybe you're singing a song and you like know it's totally not true about yourself. So the, the chorus said, your praise will ever be on my lips. And frankly, uh, that has not been the case for me, especially uh, this week. Um, it's just been a crazy week and, and things have happened and uh, not gone according to my plan. And that frustrates me. I, I'm the type of person I crave consistency. I like routine. I could eat canes every single day and be okay with it. I, I don't like change. I, I like to get up at the same time. I, I, I just, I like to wear the same outfits all the time, be predictable. And I, I, I just like routine and I don't like change. And my entire week has been just all over the map, and I have not handled that well. I have grumbled and complained. I have reminded God how much he doesn't know what he's doing. (laughs) And I have forgotten. I think there's two big ways that the enemy works in our lives, and that's through deception and that's through distraction. And that's why it's so crucial that we be in our word. Because if you don't know what's in the word of God, if you don't know what the promises of God are for you, you'll be easily deceived. And the other way is distraction. And I'm the, I'm the type I get distracted, right? Like something happens and I'm like, squirrel, and it's like all downhill, right? <laughs> and, and the good news is I'm not alone. Like Adam and Eve, they, they had this incredible garden and it was beautiful and it was perfect. And it was just the way God wanted it, but there was one rule. Don't mess with the tree, right? And what do they do? They mess with the tree. Well, if you really think about it, Adam and Eve were robbed of an entire garden of perfection and beauty and wonder and glory because of one tree. And and you know what? I've been robbed this week of a lot of things that the Lord has had for me because I've been distracted. And I remember when I was a kid and I would read my Bible and I would read these incredible stories about David and Goliath and Abraham and Moses and and Rahab and and all these others, heroes of the faith. And and the disciples, like Peter doubted Jesus. And I'm like, Peter, you're a blooming idiot. Like, you're walking with Jesus. How could you doubt him? Right? But the older I become, the more I realize that this story is really all about me. And I could easily insert myself into any story, especially stories filled with doubt, 
fear and unbelief. I want to be a hero like like Hebrews chapter 11. The great hall of faith where it talks about by faith so and so did this. There's 40 verses in Hebrews chapter 11. And it's all about people who live their lives by faith. That's what I want for my life. But the reality is that's not how I live my life. Especially when times are hard. I'm really an Israelite. We're going to start in Exodus today. We're going to end up in Exodus 32 today. But we've got to back up to chapter 1. And we are just going to do like a super quick recap of the entire book of Exodus. Well, not the entire book. We'll stop at 32. The Israelites were God's people. And a lot of you know this this story. And and maybe you've learned about it at school. Um, But they were slaves. And uh, they were mistreated. And they had to make bricks without straw. And... When you're a slave, you don't get paid for those things. Nobody's saying, hey, great job today on those bricks. They look amazing, right? Some of you are like, yeah, we're slaves at this school, man. They make us sweep and clean and up the chapel. You have no idea. You might feel like a slave, but you have no idea. And even today, slavery still exists. If you think cleaning your room because your mom's nagging you makes you a slave, you have no idea. You might feel that way, but it's not like that. And the Israelites were slaves. And so we start in Exodus chapter 1. And it says that, um, this is interesting to me, in in chapter 1 verse 12. It says, but the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied, and the more they spread abroad. Meaning hardship can always bring harvest. There is multiplication. I don't have time to explain that today, but if you got that, great. Chapter 2, we see where Moses was born. And you guys know the story of Moses. He had to be hidden because there was some drama going on, okay? And so he's putting a basket, floating down the river. Someone finds him, okay? Awesome story. So Moses is born, and we hop over to chapter 3. There's the burning bush. Oh, let me back up to chapter 2. Verse 23. During those many days, the king of Egypt died, and the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery and cried out for help. Their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God. And God heard their groaning. And God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. God saw the people of Israel and God knew. Have you ever felt like you've been crying out and God doesn't hear? Anyone? Okay, there's three of us in the room. Congratulations to the rest of you. God saw and God knew. He sees when we're in hardship. He hears when we're crying out, even if we don't feel like it. So chapter 3, there's the burning bush. God appears to Moses in the burning bush, and he talks to him. He's like, Moses, I'm going to set you apart. You're going to be a leader. Um, And then um, somewhere in here, Moses kills someone because he gets mad about how his people are being treated, right? And so Moses just like kills someone, then he kind of panics because he did something really wrong, so he takes off, right? And then God's like, hey, Moses, I want you to go back to that place and uh, help the people out. (laughs) Moses is like, "Uh, no, thank you, plan B, sir. And God's like, well, that's plan A, B, and C, now go, right? And and Moses had a choice whether he was going to listen and obey, just like you and I. We have a choice if we're going to obey. It's just that simple. And so um, God said, Moses, I'm going to use you to deliver the people. And so um, chapter 7, Moses goes before Pharaoh and says, hey, God sent me. You need to let God's people go. 
with all due respect, sir, right? <laughs> I'm thinking his pits are sweating, his palms are sweating, heart racing. Like, I would not want to go before Pharaoh and be like, uh, excuse me, sir, but you need to let these people go, right? <laughs> and so um, you guys know the story. Chapter 8 starts with the, the second plague. The first plague was water turned to blood, plague of frogs, plague of gnats, flies. The Egyptian livestock die. Thank you, Bible, for my headers in here. Uh, the sixth plague is disgusting, boils. Oh, my gosh, that's making me queasy. Seventh plague was hail. Eighth plague was locusts. Terrible if you don't like bugs. Ninth plague was darkness. And basically, God is sending all these plagues as signs to, to get Pharaoh's attention. But if you take the time and read it, it says again and again that Pharaoh's heart was hardened. See, God is always speaking. God is always revealing himself. God is always showing us what's true. But sometimes we miss it because of our hardened hearts. Right? Like, man, God's not talking to me. We're really like, he's rented a sign on Sherwood Way and made it real clear what you're supposed to do, right? Anyway, um, and so all these plagues are happening, and then uh, there, there was a final plague, and eventually um, Pharaoh lets the people go. And Moses is the guy to lead them, okay? And so the idea is that Moses is going to lead the Israelites into their promised land. It's not a Disneyland. It's not a Disney World. It's not a five-star resort in the Bahamas somewhere. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. Now, I want you to think for a minute. If you've been a slave, you don't have anything. Nobody likes you. You don't have any personal rights. You don't have any kind of retirement plan, bank account. You don't have a, a minivan with spinners on it. You have nothing. But really, a lot of bad memories and, and pain and frustration, maybe some bitterness, maybe some, probably a lot of fear and anxiety, right? You've been mistreated your whole life, and, and you have an opportunity to escape. And, and you're following this leader by the name of Moses, and you're going to a land flowing with milk and honey. Meaning you're going to have everything you need. It's going to be different. This is where the journey begins. Um, we catch up uh, in chapter 12 where the Exodus begins and, and God begins to lead them out. And then the journey, this, this is one of my favorite stories. Uh, chapter 13, um, it says, By the strong hand of the Lord, the strong hand of the Lord brought you out of this place. The strong hand of the Lord brought you out of Egypt. The strong hand of the Lord delivered you from slavery. It is always, always, always the strong hand of the Lord. It's never coincidence. It's never ironic. It's never happenstance. It's never luck. It's never anything else but the strong hand of the Lord. Chapter 14. Well, it says in chapter 13 that by day they followed a pillar of cloud. And by night, they followed a pillar of fire, and that's where the Spirit of God was, and that's how they knew where to go. They didn't have no GPS, no map on their cell phone, right? So they're like, how do we even get there? How do we go? And so they follow. I think that's incredible to think about. I mean, if I'm following the pillar of fire at night, frankly, I've got a bag of marshmallows. I'm like, let's go. <laughs> I mean, that's incredible. Like, following a pillar of fire by night and <laughs> a pillar of cloud by day. Dang it, now I want marshmallows, whatever. <laughs> so uh, so they, they get up to the Red Sea, right? And it's not like the Pharaoh and his people are like, yeah, okay, go ahead and go, right? They're like, no, you are slaves. We've had you forever. Come back. And so the Egyptians are chasing the Israelites. 
And so the Israelites get to the Red Sea, okay, and it's like a big body of water. It's not Lake Nasty water. It's like a big old body of water, Red Sea. There's no boats, no one packed inflatable tubes, okay. They, they've got a problem because the Red Sea's in front of them and the Egyptians are, gonna, are behind them. So what are they going to do? Panic, swim, surrender, turn and run, scream. And um, it says that God parted the Red Sea. And, and so they, they walked across on dry ground. And as soon as they crossed over, God closed up the Red Sea. And the Egyptians were no more. It says this in, in chapter 14, verse 30. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Israel saw the great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians. So the people feared the Lord. And they believed in the Lord and in the servant Moses. Was God faithful in the Red Sea? This is crowd participation. This is where you say yes or no. Or you wake up. Either one. Was God faithful with the Red Sea? Was God faithful with the Exodus? Was God faithful with the plague? Did God do what he said he was going to do? Are you sure? Or are you just giving what you think is the right answer? You need to go home and read this this week. Don't just take my word for it. Um, and then the, the story continues on. And so the, the Israelites reached a point where they were hungry and they were thirsty and they didn't have food to eat. And so God rained down fresh bread from heaven. That's amazing. Fresh bread. Not day-old bread, not stale bread, not crumbs, not leftover from someone's camp, right? Fresh bread. Because that's who God is. He takes care of his people. And I don't know if you've really taken the time to think about it, but God doesn't ever just give us what we need. It's never just a box of cereal. It's always a box of cereal and a gallon of milk and a bowl and a spoon. Because that's who he is. He's generous. He's faithful. He's a God of his word. He's not like man that he should lie or change his mind. That's who he is. Was God faithful to feed the Israelites when they were hungry? Yes. God would provide water for the Israelites. They were thirsty. And God would provide water from a rock. Chapter 20, we have the Ten Ten Commandments. We go through 21 as laws about slaves and restitution, social justice. You can get a little lost in there. Um, And then it talks about the tabernacle, the table for bread. There's all these details about how they were to create and build this thing. And then it goes to the the priest's garments and the altars. Uh, In chapter 29, it talks about the sacrifices. Verse 13, it says, And you shall take all the fat that covered the entrails and the long lobe of the liver and the two kidneys with the fat that is on them and burn them on the altar. I wrote in my Bible, gag me. That's just disgusting. (laughs) So there's all these details about how they're supposed to do things and, and how the sacrifices are supposed to be. It wasn't just they're running for their lives or they're going to a promised land. God was giving them instruction as to how they were to live their lives. So when Jesus paid the sacrifice for us, he took care of all that. I mean, could you imagine if every time you and I did something wrong, we had to go find a goat without a blemish? I'd be in trouble. I don't know how to get a goat. What do you do? Here, go. Come here. You know, like, it's probably not going to happen. I'm going to be buying a goat off Amazon and probably get ripped off. But Jesus paid it all because that is who he is. 
That is who God is. He's faithful. He's the God of his word. Every promise of his is yes and amen. He takes care of his people. He sees and he knows. Chapter 30 talks about the altar of the incense, the basin. Chapter 31 talks about, I don't know, oh, oh, holly up. And I don't, well, we're just going to skip that chapter. So we catch up to chapter 32. And uh, I don't have time to read it today for the sake of time. Actually, I'm going to read part of it. Chapter 32. When the people saw that Moses delayed. Okay, so time out. Let me back up. Moses goes up to the mountain to talk to God, right? Not dad with donuts, but Moses is like chilling with God and God's giving him instruction. And God is actually going to end up giving him the Ten Commandments. And, and so Moses is up on a mountain. And all of the people are down below chilling at the base of the mountain. And they're with Aaron. Aaron was kind of uh, Moses's right-hand man. Okay? And so Moses is on a mountain with God. People are down below. Here we go. When the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, the people gathered themselves together to Aaron and said... To him, up, make us gods who shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. So Aaron said to them, take off the rings of gold that are in the ears of your wives, your sons and your daughters, and bring them to me. So all the people took off the rings of gold that were in their ears and brought them to Aaron. And he received the gold from their hand and fashioned it with a grating tool and made a golden calf. And they said, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar before, and Aaron made a proclamation and said, Tomorrow shall be a feast to the Lord. And they rose up early the next day and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. And the Lord said to Moses, Go down, for your people whom you brought up out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly out of the way that I commanded them. They have made for themselves a golden calf and have worshipped it and sacrificed to it and said, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. And the Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people, and behold, it is a stiff-necked people. That is not a compliment. Just saying. Now, therefore, let me alone that my wrath may burn hot against them and I may consume them in order that I may make a great nation of you. Translation, God is ticked off. (laughs) And rightfully so. God is about to destroy the Israelites. This next part, I think, is incredibly bold. But Moses implored the Lord his God and said, O Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people? whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand. Why should the Egyptians say with evil intent did he bring them out to kill them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth? Turn from your burning anger and relent from this disaster against your people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants, to whom you swore by your own self and said to them, I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven, And all this land that I have promised, I will give to your offspring, and they shall inherit it forever. Basically, Moses is telling God what to do. I don't know if you've tried that. I'm not saying you should. I don't know. It's kind of awkward, but I think that's, like, really bold, right? Like, God is super ticked, and Moses is like, God, are you sure that's really what you want to do? But it says a lot to me about Moses' relationship with God. 
says this, And the Lord relented from the disaster that he had spoken of bringing on his people. That's mercy. That's the mercy of God. That's the kindness of God. Was God faithful in that moment? Yes, he was. Then Moses turned and went down from the mountain with the two tablets of the testimony in his hand. Tablets that were written on both sides. On the front and on the back they were written. The tablets were the work of God and the writing was the writing of God engraved on the tablets. I think that's incredible. God literally engraved on stone tablets his word. When Joshua heard the noise of the people as they shouted, he said to Moses, there is a noise of war in the camp. But he said, it is not the sound of shouting for victory or the sound of the cry of defeat, but the sound of singing that I hear. And as soon as he came near the camp and saw the calf and the dancing, Moses' anger burned hot. And he threw the tablets out of his hands and broke them at the foot of the mountain. He took the calf that they had made and burned it with fire and ground it to powder and scattered it on the water and made the people of Israel drink it. And Moses said to Aaron, What did these people do to you that you have brought such a great sin upon them? And Aaron said, Let not the anger of my Lord burn hot. You know the people, that they are intent on evil. For they said to me, Make us gods who shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. So I said to them, Let any who have gold take it off. So they gave it to me. I threw it into the fire, and out came this calf. (laughs) Okay, Aaron. (laughs) Cool story, bro. And you found $5, right? I mean, that's ridiculous, but that's what it says. I'm like, oh, Aaron. Okay. And when Moses saw that the people had broken loose, for Aaron had let them break loose to the derision of their enemies, Then Moses stood in the gate of the camp and said, Who is on the Lord's side? Come to me. And all the sons of Levi gathered around him, and he said to them, Thus says the Lord of God of Israel, Put your sword on your side, each of you, and go to and fro from gate to gate throughout the camp, and each of you kill his brother and his companion and his neighbor. Sin always kills. Always kills. Sin always kills. Someone has to pay a price for sin. Now, for you and I, that was Jesus Christ. I I don't have to take any of you out in chapel today because you did something wrong. Thank goodness. And and thank goodness you don't have to take me out before I come up here because I did something wrong. But sin always kills. The Bible even says that, that the wages of sin is death. There's always consequences for our choices. Always. Always consequences for our choices. I am still paying consequences today for stupid things I did 10 years ago. That's on me. That's not on God. That's not on my family. But you know what? That's not my story. My story is God has been faithful to me when I have not been faithful to him. And I am loved by him. Sin always kills. There are always consequences for our choices. Always. Always. And that is not on God. That's on you and me. So basically, <clears throat> the chapter ends and, and they go through and they, they, kill, they kill off a bunch of people. Was God faithful in that? Yes. 
Was God a God of his word in the midst of that? Yes. Here's five quick things that we can pull from this story. <clears throat> the Israelites wanted a God to lead them, but they didn't want to wait. They wanted a God to lead them, but they didn't want to wait. They got impatient. It was a 40-year journey for the Israelites to get to the promised land. Moses had been on the mountain for 40 days. What is 40 days compared to 40 years? Really a blink of an eye, honestly, right? It, but, but that's true of us. Like sometimes I think our walk with Jesus is like the longest road trip ever. And we're always asking, are we there yet? Are we there yet? How much longer? How much longer? Right? But we don't know how God is working. We, we can't understand his timing because his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. He is God and we are not. And 10 years ago, as I drove down to Texas, I told God literally the entire 24-hour drive that he had no clue what he was doing. And 10 years later, guess what? He had every clue what he was doing with me. Every clue. We wanted God to deliver us. We wanted God to lead us, but we don't want to wait on him. Number two. The Israelites had forgotten the incredible faithfulness of God. When you and I get into a hard place, this is what happens. First thing, we forget, right? Because all of a sudden, the narrative, the story becomes this. God has left me. God doesn't care. God doesn't see me. He's not hearing me when I pray. He's not hearing me when I cry out. God is too busy helping everyone else. Blah, 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 blah. And we forget all the time. We forget the incredible things that God has done, the incredible blessings he has given us, all of the times that God has been faithful, even when we weren't. And the Israelites, they, they crossed on dry ground across the Red Sea. They saw the dead Egyptians on the seashore. They pulled out their umbrellas and were dodging fresh bread from heaven. They drank water from a rock. But they forgot the faithfulness of God. What has God done for you? When was the last time you thought about your story that God has been writing in all the ways that God has taken care of you? I forgot a whole lot this week. But if I stop to consider all the ways that God has taken care of me, it's incredible. He's been so faithful because that is who God is. He is a God of his word. He doesn't lie. He doesn't change his mind. He hasn't fallen off his throne. And he cares about you. And he cares about me. Number three, the Israelites didn't take ownership but blamed others. I see this all the time in your generation. It's always someone else's fault. Well, you don't know my story or my family or yada yada. Man, just take ownership for your stuff. Say that's my bad. I made that choice. I chose to not believe God. I chose to do that stupid thing. I chose to cheat. Not, well, my friend made me do it, and I found $5. No, like, take ownership of your stuff, man. Aaron, sounds like a blooming idiot. Well, Moses, I just threw the gold into the fire, and out came this calf. I have no idea what's going on, but bro, am I glad to see you. Take ownership. Please take ownership. Do you know what I pray a lot? This is what I pray. God, help me to be quicker to repent than I am to sin. Take ownership. 
Why, why are we hiding? Why, why did Adam and Eve hide in the garden? Because they were ashamed and they were embarrassed. But God knows. So, so just, just claim it. Just own it. So that, that's on me. I made the wrong choice. And God, I'm sorry. Would you forgive me? Aaron didn't do that. Number four, they thought they could buy their God. It's interesting to me that they gave up all their jewelry. Right? Now, slaves, they have hardly anything. Jewelry is a lot. They thought they could buy their God. Listen to me. You can never buy the love of Jesus. Never. You can never buy your salvation. You can never buy the Bible. You can never buy anything. You, you can't earn it. You, you can't be good enough to deserve the love of God. You and I were wretched, sinful, broken, prideful, stubborn, stiff-necked people. But in his mercy and in his kindness, God loves us. And he wants more for us. And last, there were still consequences. There will always, always be consequences for every decision you make. Every single decision you make will either help you understand Jesus and his word better or it will push you further from him. Every time you listen to music that doesn't have anything to do with Jesus, just saying, it's not helping you in your walk. Every movie you watch that, that's not good, that has impure things in there or, or whatever, it, it's, not, it's not helping you walk like Jesus. Whoever you're hanging with, every single choice every day that you make, will either help you get closer to your promised land with Jesus or it will keep you. Do you know how long it should have taken the Israelites to get to the promised land? Like less than a month. I think it's like 12 or 14 days if I remember correctly. Less than a month. Took them 40 years. Why? Because God? God failed? God, God got too busy? God got a little overwhelmed? No, because they were stiff-necked people. Don't be stiff-necked. You are not God. He is. And he does all things well. He's having a fantastic day. And lots of people over the last thousands of years have tried to prove him wrong and have tried to prove this word wrong. And they can't. They fail every single time. Surrender. Let go. Let him be God. Trust him. Don't be a stiff-necked people. Don't forget the faithfulness of God to you. You can't. You can't forget what God has done for you. You, you have to keep talking about it. I, I challenge you at lunch today, let the conversation be this. Hey man, did I ever tell you about that time that God answered this prayer for me? Hey, I gotta tell you this story. Let me tell you about one time when, when God healed someone that I was praying for. You, you've got to tell those stories, not just to yourself, but to each other, because you have to encourage each other, and, and you have to inspire each other, and, and you have to constantly remind each other to remember the faithfulness of God. Your lives depend on it. God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your word. God, forgive me for my stiff-neckedness, my pride, my stubbornness. God, I don't, I don't want to be like the Israelites. I, I want to trust you. And, and God, I, I want you to lead my life, to guide my life. God, help us when it's hard to trust. Help us when it's hard to see. 
God, I pray that today at lunch, these students will tell the stories of your goodness and your faithfulness and your kindness. That they would tell their teachers and their teachers would tell them the stories of things you've done in the past. And God, in seasons when we're in the wilderness and we've forgotten and it's hard and we want to quit and give up, God, may we consider and remember all the things you've done. God, thank you that you love us. That the best days for us are right in front of us. And all we have to do is just keep walking one step at a time. God, if there's anyone in this room that has a, a false God, an idol, something they're leaning on more than you, Jesus, I pray that you would crush it in Jesus' name, that it would be no more. God, we love you in Jesus' name. Amen.